previously on the Simply Human podcast. Okay, tell me if I if I get them right. Like, give me like a ding ding or something. Okay, or you uh, can just say yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, knees. Mm, no. I have to say pass on that one. Yeah. <laughs> I've been waiting to do that. Yeah. It's episode fifty-four of the Simply Human podcast with your hosts Mark and Rick, two human beings being human. Our goal is to help you understand how humans are designed to eat, sleep, move, and enjoy, and how you can start living more like a human today. On today's show, we interview Dean Laurie, writer and uh, just an all-around funny guy. He was a, a writer on uh, Arrested Development. He helped Vinny Torderich write his book. Uh, and so, really interesting conversation with Dean. Then it's another edition of the Humans Being Human segment with a little bit of a different path we're taking on this one. We are just basically having a, another conversation with someone. Uh, it's just a little bit shorter. Uh, an old friend of my family, Shaky Fitzpatrick. Uh, he gets uh, he gets crap for that name a lot, but uh, that's his name. So leave him alone. And we'll wrap up with our Simply Human tip uh, the week. How are you, Rick? I'm good. How are you? Had a Uncle Rico moment this weekend, Rick. Big surprise. If anyone is not following, <laughs> uh, periodically Mark will talk about like when he uh, you mean every week when he, play, when he played high school football. It's like oh we could have won state or like talks. And anytime Mark brings up his past, and I I should clarify, I am impressed by Mark's uh, well, past athletic accomplishments. I wouldn't call him triathlons that. and marathons, and he played college football. But I, uh, feeling bad about myself, <laughs> will make fun of him and try to make him feel bad too. And I will call him Uncle Rico. Who, of course, is the character from Napoleon Dynamite, who says, uh, who is a, who takes the video of himself throwing the football, <laughs> saying, "Oh, we could, we should have won state, living in his past glory," and then says, and this is my line that I like to use. How much you want to bet I could throw a football over the mountains? <laughs> and I Which love, is what I will periodically post on Mark's Facebook anytime he makes any kind of relation to. Well, and if I was actually like good, like let's say that I was like I played in the Big Twelve and I was like you know had a you know it was like a draft pick or something yeah, like a, yeah then i would i would be offended by the uncle rico but since i actually am uncle rico i think it's hilarious <laughs> so my uncle rico moment was the college uh that i work for and i also help out with the strength and conditioning stuff which mainly football uh and every now and then i get to be the get back coach on the sideline which if you're not aware of who that is on an american football because we have a lot of international we do on yes. an american football field on each sideline uh, there, you can't encroach up on the field. Basically, like players have to stay back, but players are always and coaches are always getting too close onto the field because it's just how it happens. And so, there's always one designated guy whose job is to make sure everyone stays behind the line, right? So that you don't get a penalty, and that's what you mean by the get back coach. As a I player, think that was first coined by John Madden. <laughs> yeah, as a player, you hate the get back coach, so because he's annoying and. Because all you want to do, imagine like you're standing on the field. If you're way behind the play, you want to encroach up actually right. on the field as close as you can to get a perspective of you can see what's going on. Well, if you're back behind the line, it's hard to see. And especially guys that are, let's say there's a tight end or two that are waiting to hear like some some name of a of a, right, a of play a, yeah. call that they're supposed to, you know, they, they've got to be ready to run in at a moment's notice. And like you the got quarterback me. is always on the field, but like, rot, you know, running back, receiver tight ends, yeah. uh, receivers, they rotate in and out. So they're trying to, you know, from a tactical advantage. And, yeah. then, and then they're trying to hear what the, you know, the name of the play. And then I'm here. Uh, can you say, say, take a step back, please? Sh shut up. So anyway, I got to be the get back coach. We actually played a game. <laughs> 
this, the school I play for, we're trying to build an on-campus stadium. We currently play at a high school stadium in town, which is kind of Bush League, but it's it's what we've got. It's a big high... We yeah. should caveat this. Uh, it's West Texas, so it's a big high school stadium. Right. And but now, it's a high school stadium nonetheless, but it's it's larger than you would think. Like mo- some people like maybe in like other states, like high school stadium, it's like right. so 20,000 people. People can yeah. sit on the bleachers. Yeah, it's, it'll seat 20,000. Yeah, so they're... We played a game in the in the Dallas Fort Worth area at the high school stadium that I, Uncle Rico, played at, which is another humongous like twenty yeah, twenty five thousand seat stadium. Yeah, and we so I hadn't been back on that field in sixteen years. So not only are you we got out there, did you start crying? Uh, almost. So we get out, and I'm the get back coach on my field with my with the college team that I played for. I was number as we you know we mentioned on episode fifty two. I was number fifty two in high school and college. We Rick, we scored fifty-two points. Well, it was inc- it was in crazy. Is that yeah, incredible and crazy? In crazy it, combined. It does sound in crazy. Incredible, crazy. It was it was a very special. One. I was trying to tell Jen about it, and she was like, "Are you?" Crying? She had the exact same reaction. Yeah. I had like, mm, I was like, "It really is cool." Shut up. It's pretty wild, man. So that was my Uncle Rico moment. Okay. Um, Excellent. It is now time for the shows ranked higher than the Simply Human podcast. You have one. I have one. I no, I have one. I took a picture. By of the it. way, uh, let me say this: they're easy to find on there. <laughs> yeah. Like, if you're clicking outside like the top fifty, odds are it's one of those like we did four episodes and it hasn't updated since two thousand eight. Right. So, um, coming in at number seventy-five, Stephen Michelle with the Eating Well podcast. Last show, Volumetrics, March twelfth. 2012. All right, here we go. That long ago. That's yeah. uh, two and a half years. Two and a half years. Yeah, better than 2006, which is some of the other ones. So I feel like we need to stop doing this bit because uh, <laughs> it makes us sound bitter, but really it's just highlighting that like there's no rhyme or reason. Right. They're just picking names out of a hat. And speaking of iTunes and the rankings, we have and gotten... picking names out of a hat. Ah, very good. Oh, we yeah, have gotten several uh, iTunes reviews, and actually we actually printed out and cut into you know the like the names of the reviews. And Rick, read the winner of the first ever Simply Human podcast t-shirt giveaway-a-thon. First, like, firstly, I'd like to thank everyone who did this. We got a ton of reviews, a ton, like uh, 20 entrants, something nuts like that. So thank you to everyone who took their time to give us, and I think everybody gave us five stars. So thank you to everyone who took uh, 10 seconds out of their day and gave us some stars and wrote a review. The winner of our drawing Drum is roll, please. username PLBOT. Uh, he left a review, he or she, we're not sure on the gender, on October 28th that read, while shopping for boots recently. I don't know if That's I... That's kind of a random I thing. Have, I don't made. think I've read this one yet. While shopping for boots recently, I said those words to which my friends said... Oh, okay, the title is, I need a wide shaft. <laughs> <laughs> while shopping for boots recently, I said those words, quote, I need a wide shaft, to which my friends said in her nearly suffocating laughter, that's what she said. <laughs> oh, yeah, Mark and Rick are hilarious, too. Thank you, PL Bot. I'm going to infer into that that that's a, we have a female, but yes. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. Uh, we don't actually have a way to contact you, uh, user PL Bot. So email me, simplyhumanrick at gmail.com, or email Mark at simplyhumanlifestyle at gmail.com, and we will get connected with you and figure out how to get your T-shirt with you. I will... Uh, I will drive past your house with a T-shirt gun <laughs> and shoot it through your front window, and uh, then we'll all be good. Yeah. So, so thank you, thank so, you to everyone. Somebody recently uh, tried to email us like a funny story, and and she did the wrong address. Oh, but, but but then yes. but then she never got like a 
a bad address, so it, it went somewhere, and okay, it was like really inappropriate. For, you know, unless you know the context. And yeah, whoever the person is, I saw it on our Facebook page, and I was busy, and I was like, okay, I gotta go back later and respond to that. Well, for some reason, I can't see it anymore. The thing on the Facebook page. So I was going to respond and be like, haha, that's hilarious. Uh, we, you should come on the show, but I didn't want you to think that I ignored you. But yeah, she sent some really funny story to what she thought was my email address simplyhumanrick at gmail.com but she, there must have been like a slight error in the in the address so she sent it to someone that has an email address similar to that like simplyhuman bob <laughs> no, i was gonna go with a different name that remi- rhymes with mine but no it's not yeah. drudge up the past yeah, but i don't have uh, my bleeping button ready <laughs> but uh apparently they got the story so that's very very that's that's a good simply human that or a good humans being human story in and yep. of itself. Yes, it is. Um, all right, so PLBot, email us, and we will get you the shirt. Um, congratulations. And announcing the second ever Simply Human Podcast t-shirt giveaway-a-thon for the month of November. So anybody, We're going to do this once a month? Or? Yes. So everybody okay. that has a, uh, a review, la- uh, I guess labeled or <laughs> labeled, uh, dated in November... Uh, gets is entered into the November giveaway-a-thon, and we'd love to... Uh, and, and one of the caveats is you get this free shirt, but you have to take a picture of yourself and put it on our Facebook page or something. So, And if you have a Twitter, yes, maybe sound very old. If you have a Twitter... If you have the Twitter... <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a sickness. If you've been diagnosed <laughs> with Twitter, please uh, put it on that too, whatever that is. Yeah. Um, all right, I think... Um, Simply Human Reset is still going on. Simplyhumanlifestyle.com slash shop. Um, we're, uh, we're, selling, we're selling those. That is a basically a 21-day uh, sort of getting you on a path to a more sustainable path. It's not a yo-yo. It's to get you away from yo-yo dieting and the whole calories in, calories out uh, from a nutrition standpoint. And we're also uh, resetting your movement patterns, your sleep habits, and how you manage stress, all that kind of stuff. So um, really cool conversation today. Let's go ahead and get to uh, Dean Laurie. Uh, Dean, yeah, this is kind of like this is real random how it happened. We were were we doing an interview like we were going to be on Vinny's show or he was going to be on ours. I can't remember which way it happened, but at some I think it was us doing the interview for his show. Right, right. And Dean and Dean, we said something and gave him an idea, and he's clearly joking. But he called Dean in the middle of the show. And we were like, oh, tell Dean we want him to be on our show too, please. And uh, so, and I was like, yeah, he's no way he's going to do that. But yeah, he gave us a half an hour of his time. A super busy guy, so yeah. that was really awesome. Yeah, and it's basically, you know, we, we don't really talk to Dean about you know how much he can bench or like what he eats in a day. It's just a kind of like a really interesting like Hollywood writer conversation but listen very closely i would log log this under uh enjoying life because he's really funny and some of the stuff he's done is really really funny yeah and and just and and listen for this there's a really kind of a cool theme that he talks about at one point but we and we don't really point it out but listen for this it's it's when he's talking about um how uncertain sort of his career has been as a writer and how sometimes you know the theme we don't talk about is how sometimes there's that uncertainty uh, can make you stronger and and is it just sort of lends itself and lends you to sort of being put into positions that here you are like you know you're working on arrested development he's had a really successful career it's like doing things that scare you kind of a thing and how you know just saying saying status quo isn't always the best uh, the best thing to do. So listen, listen for that. Um, but uh, yeah, we very ta- astute observation, by the way. Well, thank you very much. We talked to Dean about a lot of stuff, including his background, NYU movies he's done, like my boyfriend's back, um, 
Uh, we'll get to that in just a second. I'll, I'll continue reading that list off. But before we do that, find us online at simplyhumanlifestyle.com. There's a Facebook page, YouTube channel, Twitter, all that stuff is at simplyhuman52 for Twitter and Instagram. I need to do better about Instagram. We have a coupon code still for the nutrients, multivitamin, and the skinny fat, uh, the MCT oil and coconut oil uh, fat drink that I put in my coffee. You can cook with it all like good stuff. Um, you can email the show. We already mentioned simplyhumanlifestyle at gmail.com. Simplyhumanrick at gmail.com. So without further ado. Rick. Simplyhumanrick. Yes. Yes. Simplyhumanrick. Don't send like, any inappropriate stories to like Simplyhuman Dave. That guy's probably sick of him. <laughs> Simplyhuman Uncle Rico at gmail.com. That's what we should do. <laughs> uh, so the conversation with Dean, we talk about Monty Python, uh, Breaking Bad, writing for Arrested Development, writing as a career. My wife and kids, not my wife and kids, the show My Wife and Kids, doing the best job you can do, Will Arnett, processing an idea, Fitness Confidential, creating, then selling, hiking, and nature. Here's Dean. Joining us today on the Simply Human podcast, talk about sort of stumbling into something. Uh, Rick and I were talking to Vinny Tortorich, and he called this, this person... And then as this person is talking to Vinny, we were like, hey, hey, Vinny, uh, ask Dean if he'll be on our show. And he was sort of like cornered into it. Dean Laurie on the show, an American writer whose projects include movies such as Major Pain and television shows like Arrested Development. Dean, thanks for being on the show. Well, thanks um, for inviting me. It was, so actually, I called Vinny. I didn't know he was on your show. Oh. And, you know, he answered the phone, and I could immediately tell it was his podcast voice. Right. <laughs> like, what, <laughs> what are you doing? And uh, so I ended up being on your show. So you're right. It was just kind of uh, a stroke of luck. Yeah, we, we stumble in on lots of stuff. So I guess let's just start off uh, what, like talking about your background. I, I believe if, uh, if Wikipedia is to be believed, you, you grew up in <laughs> it Georgia. It rarely is, but... Sure. Yeah, you grew up in Transylvania and on the moon. Is that correct? Yeah, that is correct. That, that's the one time that uh, Wikipedia got it right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I actually grew up in uh, Georgia. I grew up in a, a little town called Conyers, Georgia, which at the time was pretty rural. I understand now it's uh, basically a suburb of Atlanta. But, um, yeah, it was a, kind of a, a quiet, pleasant place to grow up. So how, how did you get into, I know you went to New York uh, after that to go to school. So what yeah. were you, like, when you were like 16, were you like, I am destined to be hilarious? Well, you know, I was always a writer. Um, you know, I, I like to write screenplays, and uh, I wrote little books and stuff like that. And so I, I really wanted to get into the movie industry. And I wasn't 100% sure how to do that because, you know, I was living in Georgia, and it just didn't, it seemed very far away. Um, and I ended up getting accepted to uh, New York University. And so, you know, I went there and loved it. I mean, I love New York uh, and just started writing. And while I was in um, college, I wrote a screenplay called, at the time, uh, it was called Johnny Zombie. And it was a comedy just about a kid who was desperate to date this girl, Missy, his entire life, and he never asked her out. And then finally, in his senior year, he gets up the nerve to ask her out to the prom. Uh, and she says yes, and then he gets shot and killed in a convenience store robbery. So, <laughs> that is uh, hilarious. He, he really wants to go to the prom, so he comes back from the dead as a zombie to take her to the prom, except now he's got zombie problems. You know, he's beginning to rot. He desires to eat the flesh of the living. You know, so that, that was basically the premise. And in, in a crazy sort of series of, of uh, well, accidents, really, and connections, um, it ended up getting bought by Disney, and it got made into a movie called My Boyfriend's Back, which not a lot of people saw, but um, that was really the beginning of my career. 
Uh, okay, so you you mentioned you always wanted to be you know get into the movie industry. When you were growing up, what movies influenced you the most? Well, Raiders of the Lost Ark was a big one. Okay. Star Wars was big. Jaws. You know, all of those movies were were huge for me. You know, I, I really loved them. In terms of comedies, I was a giant Monty Python fan. Okay, good. Um, and you know, and this is when like this was during a period of time that. Uh, it was hard to get a lot of this stuff. I mean, the internet wasn't even really a thing. Al Gore hadn't um, invented it yet. Is that what you're saying? Had, yeah, Al Gore was still noodling around with other things. He was in the laboratory <laughs> uh, working on his computer. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. um, so it, you know, it, it, I recall the first time I saw Monty Python's Quest for the Holy Grail. You could only, at least where I was, you could only get it on Laserdisc. Remember those? Oh, yeah. And, and, wow. You know, I didn't have a Laserdisc player, so, but you could rent one. So I remember I went and I rented <laughs> one for a night and then got the Laserdisc of Body Python's Quest for the Holy Grail and watched it, and it, it changed my life. I mean, I just was looking at it going, I've never seen anything like that kind of comedy. You could have so, called me Dennis. Well, I didn't know you called Dennis. Well, you didn't bother to ask now, did you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. You probably have it memorized like I do. Yeah, Pretty you're turning into, tuning into the Mark Rogers quotes Monty uh, <laughs> Python podcast. <laughs> oh, of course well, it's a good idea. I, you know, I'm a huge... Actually, you know what's funny? My son, my older son, I have a, a 17-year-old. A few years ago, I went into his room, and he was watching Netflix. And I said, uh, what are you watching? And he goes, um... It's a thing called Monty Python's Flying Circus. Have you heard of them? Oh. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I've heard of them. <laughs> you know, not, you didn't just you didn't just discover. Yeah, them. <laughs> five billion views. Yeah, yeah, you didn't you yeah. didn't figure that one out. I know uh, one of the Monty Pythons that is less well known is the Meaning of Life. I and, love meaning of and life, and that I mean, I always say it's only wafer thin. And yeah, well, that's that's immediately where my head goes as soon as you said meaning of life. It's a the wafer fat guy. thin. Yeah, <laughs> another bucket for Monsieur, and perhaps a hose. Yes, uh, Rick, have you seen that uh, meaning of life? That's the uh, one where uh, John Cleese is the headmaster who teaches sex. Oh my gosh! The meaning of life. And okay, like, yeah, that he, makes sense because growing up, my my parents uh, were very strict, and they did not allow me to watch that Monty Python. The only one I could watch was the Holy Grail, yeah. and so I was like, "Okay, right. well, I guess I'll watch Holy Grail again." Because I'm not real smart, so it's right. uh, it's kind of lost on me a little bit. It's because yeah, because God was was in that it was in Holy Grail. That's why you could watch it. Um, yeah, but yeah, <laughs> yeah no, right. that, yeah, that, that Rick, he, well, he was you animated. Got, yeah. When you got to, God by way of Terry Gilliam. <laughs> when, you, when you went from from Georgia to uh, to New York, was it like I'm imagining in my head like a Greyhound bus pulls up like in the middle of Manhattan and you just get out with like a garbage bag with like all your clothes and like you look around hat. like it's the big city and you're like, well, I guess I'm here in the big city. Like not yeah, it was like it was like Steve Martin and the jerk uh, <laughs> leaving the house with all his crap. <laughs> and this lamp. Um, yeah. yeah, you know, it was like I, I was so excited to do. Like I, I, lo- I had visited New York. I visited my aunt who lived in New York. So I love the city, and you know, and I was relatively young. I mean, I I graduated high school and was in college when I was seventeen. So it was a a big transition. And now I look at my son, who's also seventeen, and it's just it's staggering to me to think that that was the age that I was basically living alone in Manhattan. But uh, but I loved it. I mean, I, I took to it immediately, and. Um, I just like, you know, the energy of it. And I like being at college where, you know, everybody was making stuff. I was in uh, Tish. I was in the film department. And so we were constantly running around making little movies and stuff. And it was, it was a fun time. Now, how many of your friends grew up to be huge, embarrassing failures out of that, out of that group? <laughs> huge, embarrassing failures. 
most most of them. I, I don't know about huge failures, but there were some successes. Um, I, I'll tell you, one pretty good success was uh, uh, Vince Gilligan, who um, oh, wow. created Breaking Bad. Jeez. He was in the same year as I was. Oh my um, gosh! NYU at, at the Tisch Department, and he was in fact the guy who. Um, his job at NYU was uh, he worked in the basement uh, running uh, checkout for uh, equipment checkout. So, like, if you wanted to go rent a lighting package, you had to go to Vince and find oh. a thing and all of that. So he, he did pretty good for himself. And yeah. then another buddy of mine, a guy named David Emmerichs, uh, was uh, 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 really into Steadicam at the time. And he used to run down the hallways of the dorm with a Steadicam <laughs> that he bought on credit. And now he's like a major DP, and like he just uh, uh, the movie uh, Ouija, 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 which just came out. He was the director of photography on. So oh he's, yeah, he's, he's like running through the showers with a steady cam. He's like, it's for research. <laughs> like, That's right. Pull, pulling he, it his was the funniest back. thing. He used to run up and down the hallways with you know with his whole rig on, and he was just he was really really into it. It was funny how like. You know, we were all really young then, and you could, but you could kind of tell, like, you know, what people were into, and, and a lot of a lot of those folks ended up uh, doing that professionally later. I mean, it's it's interesting to see the seeds of what people get into, you know, when they're younger and how that how yeah that, that pans out. That guy's roommate is the guy on Monday Night Football that runs around like the the field with that steady cam on. Like he he didn't quite do as well for himself, but. <laughs> Now, right. Dean, what, what, what was the point in your career? Because I'm fascinated by this. I'm someone who I've enjoyed funny writing and funny, you know, and people have said that, that I'm funny before. I have no – there's no possible way I could make a living doing anything funny because I'm too scared uh, of uh-huh. the future. What's the point in your career where you looked at it and you're like, you know what? I can actually do this. This is something that I can do for a living, and it, it kind of takes – you know, you you know you've made it. What was that point for you? Well – I'm still looking for it. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's just, it's mostly terror. Um, you know, it, 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 it's really true. I, I, there were points when, when I felt pretty good about things, and then th- that feeling would always be dashed. You know, you'd have a little bit of a success, and you'd think, I could really make a go of this. And then you'd do something that was just a failure. And then you sort of really honestly feel like, I'll never work again. But, I, you know, I, I know that when... Um, my boyfriend's back. The movie My Boyfriend's Back, which was called Johnny Zombie when I wrote it. Um, when that went into production, I was pretty young. I was probably twenty-three-ish, and so I started thinking, "Wow, I have a movie going to pro- like maybe, you know, m- maybe this will be something." And at the same time, I was working for um, off of that script. It was produced by this guy named Sean Cunningham, who had directed and produced among many movies Friday the Thirteenth. And so he was making Friday the 13th Part 9 at the time. And so he basically told me, I need you to write Part 9 or rewrite it. So Did I you have to watch that. all eight of the first ones or like yeah, the plot line? I did. <laughs> I did. And I hadn't seen them all at that point. But, you know, so I ended up writing Friday the 13th Part 9, Jason Goes to Hell. And so those, those two movies, that movie and My Boyfriend's Back, were coming out um, kind of within the same year. And so I really felt like, I haven't made, you know, yeah. I'm this young, I've got two movies coming out that I wrote, this is really exciting, and then they both came out and just flopped gigantically, <laughs> and so, like, it really was at that point, I was like, oh my god, I, I've, I had, you know, I had two at-bats and I blew it, and, you know, so I don't, <laughs> and so that just, I got panicky, you know, and, and my, my whole career has been that way, and I, I think that's true of most people, you know, you have successes and you feel great, and then you have a failure, and then you just think you'll never work again. 
Now, tell me, how do you? One of my favorite television shows of all time, and I'm not saying this to kiss your rear end. Mine I'm too, saying by the it way. It's the truth. Is Arrested Development? How did you get hooked on with the Arrested Development? Like, in what? I, yeah. I was reading on your website, like season three, I think, is when you jumped in on it. Yeah, that's when I started. Well, um, I had been, I, I was uh, writing and producing a, a TV show called My Wife and Kids that yes. starred Damon Wayans. Yes. And um, and one of the other writers who became a, a close friend of mine on that was this guy, Jim Vallely. And Jim was the writing partner of Mitch Hurwitz, who created Arrested Development. So I had met Mitch through Jim, and we liked each other, and Mitch had shown some interest in me working on Arrested, but I couldn't do it because I was under contract on my wife and kids. And then when that show got canceled, Mitch said, why don't you come work on Arrested Development? And, you know, he said, you'll write it, and I need somebody to run the set because, you know, there had to be somebody in charge of the actual shooting of the show. And so, you know, I said, great, I'd love to do it, but it was was very nerve-wracking because... You know, at that point, Arrested was, uh, it had won lots of Emmys. It was, a, you know, kind of a, a famous thing. And I felt like unprepared to, to you know, join in. But um, I did, and I loved it. I loved working with the cast. And uh, and it just, you know, it, we, we all really got along. And then it uh, it got canceled, which was really a travesty. all of us. Yes. Because we it kind of felt like, geez, we're doing, this is as good as we can do it. Like, if this, you know. <laughs> If this isn't enough, we don't, you know, I, I don't know what to do. And um, and then later, uh, uh, Mitch called and said, uh, why don't we tinker with uh, a, a, a movie for Arrested Development? So Jim, Mitch, and I started kind of working on a movie. And then that turned into, at least part of it turned into, um, what became season four of Arrested on Netflix, which was yes, I an unusual that. season because we didn't have the whole cast together at any given time, unlike the other seasons where, you know, it was clearly an ensemble and we had all the actors and for all the episodes we didn't on that season. So it was a, a different kind of season, but um, that's, uh, that's how I became involved in it. Now for everyone who hasn't, if there's anybody listening to this show that hasn't watched it, watched Arrested Development, and I'm sure there are, because uh, from my understanding, when it was on uh in the early 2000s, it kind of got screwed around sometimes by Fox with, uh, you know, it, it had problems drawing an audience because yeah. for whatever reason. So there may be people who aren't familiar with this. Go to Netflix, block off an entire weekend, shut and lock <laughs> your door and watch this whole – and you will you might do it this way. Watch it – binge watch it from beginning to end. Well, that's – yeah. Because it's just an awesome show. And what I think – what I want to know is how different is it you, – you just said you left – a, a, you know, a quote-unquote like conventional sitcom of my, uh, my yeah. wife and kids, and you went to work for Arrested Development. How different is it? The, if the writing for Arrested Development has to be just so complicated. You're winding and weaving jokes in yeah. one show that are going to come unraveled the next season, like the Buster losing his arm. You guys, <laughs> yeah. it, looking back from when that happened, you were building up to that subtly with these little teeny tiny subtle jokes yeah, ten shows before it happened. How different yeah, well, was it, that? It was very um, well. As you said, Wife and Kids was kind of a conventional sitcom. Which, by the way, I loved working on it. That was a multi-camera show. I enjoyed it. We had a lot of fun. Jim had a lot of fun. Um, and you know, those sort of more conventional shows are, are written kind of like, you know, you'll come up with a concept. You'll the idea will be okay. Damon forgets his wife's anniversary, say, and then you sit there and kind of plot out what might happen as a result of that that might be funny, and that sort of becomes the show. 
But Arrested was not really written like that. We would start by just coming up with tons of ideas, just funny ideas that, you know, we'd have no sense of where they might fit in a story, just things that tickled us. So, like, you know, I recall we liked the concept of um, uh, We Britain. So, you know, there was, you know, in America, you have Little Italy, you have, you know, Little Armenia, whatever. So we like the notion of We Britain, which would be a town that's run on Greenwich Mean Time, and you drive on the opposite side of the road and all of that. So that seemed like it could be, you know, kind of funny. Um, And then, you know, we would just come up with lists of all of this stuff, and then we would start to look for connections. Like, you know, we, we, in there, we had the notion of Mitch wanted to do a... um, he wanted to do an arc where uh, Michael, who's Jason Bateman, um, is falls in love with a girl, and they go to get married. And what Michael and the audience doesn't realize over the course of several episodes is um, uh, uh, that she's mentally challenged. And so, and the idea was we would have had to have missed all of those clues. And so then we start trying to figure out, like, well, <laughs> how, how could we miss that? do that? How yeah. how is that possible? We said, well, first of all... Well, that was Charlize Theron, right? Like, that's exactly yeah. it. And we said, what if she's beautiful? Because we always spot beautiful people. Like you, you always just think they're smarter than they really are. So we said, okay, what if it's Charlize Theron? So she's just gorgeous. So that helped. But then we were like, that may not be enough. Like, what if she's also British? Because British people sound, sound smart. smart, right? They do. And so we said, okay, so she's British. So it's Charlize Theron. She's British. And so everything points to that she's a genius, but she's the opposite. <laughs> so, and then we kind of were looking at the board going, oh, we had this Wee Britain idea. So what if she lives in Wee Britain? And so that's kind of how the whole series would get put together. It huh. would just be, you know, we'd come up with as many funny things as we could think of and then start looking for connections and start looking for ways to weave them together. And then if we would come up with like a particularly funny idea for, say, later in the season, we would then back up and start trying to lay in clues and hints and stuff like that beforehand so it became it was a puzzle you know but it was uh enormous fun to work on and and we spent a lot of time just um you know uh paying attention to things that people wouldn't even really notice unless they went back and rewatched it or even freeze frame things like for instance we're talking about we britain there's a um a thing that we created in we britain called the poppins that's just a uh, <laughs> It was basically a, a, a terrible Mary Poppins doll that one time a day would come on a string and cross the street. And we would, and then as, if you look at the show, there's, there's a camera sort of panning past it. It pans past uh, a plaque on the wall that has the legend of the Poppins. And it's like you couldn't possibly read it in the show, but if you were to freeze frame it, you could read the legend of the Poppins. And we spent a long time just writing that plaque. <laughs> you know? So it was, um, it, was, it was great fun to work on. Now... It, you already mentioned it was very critically acclaimed, and it has a extre- that show has an extremely, extremely loyal, uh, like cult-like fan following. But yeah. it didn't get the viewership that it should have gotten uh, for whatever reason. I'm not a Hollywood expert, but uh, it, it ended up not staying on the air, and yeah. people were pretty pissed about that. Well, as a writer, as someone, ratings, yeah. as as a writer, someone who created that, are you obviously everyone wants to to you know, get on the show that, you know, has, you know, the Cosby show that has 50 million viewers or whatever that, you know, the thing that everybody's watching. But yeah. is that, do you look at that as a disappointment or do you look at that, you know, a disappointment because it wasn't as big as it should have been? Or do you look at that and go, you know what, uh, people 
absolutely swore by the show and they loved it and they're you know they're cult followers and you know we did it the best we could how do you look at that well it's more the latter i mean my attitude is you know you can only do the best job that you can do and so that's what we did i mean we you know put our all into working on uh, uh, the show and and it was disappointing that there weren't more viewers like we obviously wished that there were more viewers at least enough to keep it on the air but um but it got canceled and it wasn't until really dvd and also particularly netflix yeah that's how i watched so, it i watched the whole yeah, thing on that's, netflix that's, yeah that's, that's how most people started watching it was was you know they found it much later after it had been long uh, you know off the air and then when people started binge watching it it really was one of the few shows that lent itself to binge watching because there were so many jokes that were referenced in earlier episodes or later episodes that when you watch them all close together, it was easier to see how everything interrelated. And so, um, so it became really successful after it had been canceled. It was just an odd thing, and that's what really led to season four. So. <laughs> now, I, uh, I have several Hollywood connections, and so I... Uh... <laughs> Yeah, not really. But like you, you know, you hear of like, you know, certain actors or actresses like you're not being like what they appear. And I would imagine that Will Arnett is not like that. That he is what he appears. I mean, without you know, just he's like the t- funniest guy I've ever met. <laughs> yes. He's, he is so funny. I, I you know, I did another show with Will called and, and Mitch Hurwitz and Jim Valley called Running Wild that only lasted about a season. But, Was that the one with uh, um, Applegate? Christina Applegate? Uh, no, no, that was a show called Up All Night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Running Wild was uh, it was a, a different show. He he played a like a billionaire that lived out in Long Island, and um, and it uh, you know I got to spend a lot of time with him because I ran a set on that. So it was he and I and kind of on this estate in Long Island for a long time. And he is just the funniest guy. I mean, he is. Uh, what you see is what you get with him. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I. That's the what way I that he's funny figured. on screen is the way he's funny in person. Yeah, I know. Like he, his role in Thirty Rock is one of my favorite sort of guest supporting actor roles of any sitcom I've ever watched. Uh, yeah, he's just. Well, he's and just he and funny. David Cross did a. Now that you're mission, that they did like a, a sitcom for like. A, I want to say it was like IFC or something like that, where David Cross uh, is right. trying to like run a business in England, and just the two of them yeah. are so hilarious all the oh, time. So and, and David Cross created that. He created and I think ran that show. Yeah, um, and I forget the the. It's got a complicated name. I forget it. We'll put it in the show notes. I'll, I'll dig it up. But man, the Adventures of Todd Margaret. That's uh, Todd. Like yeah, Todd. Uh, yeah, that's what it was. The something yeah. Adventures of Todd Margaret. It's such a really really funny show, and yeah. I envy you for having even met David Cross in person. <laughs> he's like my comedy <laughs> hero, let alone working with him. So my hats he's, off he's, to you, Dean, for Arrested Development. Thank you. Well, for he's, thank you. He, David's brilliant. And the other thing I found out when you know we were working together was he grew up in Georgia too, and it's like yeah, they're not many people who grew up in georgia that you know i've met out in hollywood so um so we had that little connection what are you working on now um right now i'm doing a bunch of pilots uh i have two pilots at fx um one is uh um based on an israeli series that's really funny a comedy um and the other is based on a, a book that i wrote called romance for men um that's I wrote it, but it's uh, it's it's written by Jack Iceflow Jackson, and uh, but uh, but I'm the actual writer of it. So I'm doing that, and that's going to be uh, well. It's in development, but hopefully it'll be an animated series on FX that I'm doing with Adam Reed, who created and runs Archer. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. uh, the animated show on on FX. So now, when, when you that, get an, when you get an idea, Dean, how do you? Uh, what's your process like? Uh, and I, that, that sounds like such like a guy at Hollywood cocktail party. Like, tell me about your process, man. But like, how do you? Fl- <laughs> yeah. Like, how does that start? How does that start with you? Well, for me, it, it's. Um, I have a lot of ideas, and I try to see which ones stick over time. You know, I'll, I'll have an idea that I think is kind of funny or I like or whatever, and, um, and most of them just kind of fall away. Uh, but the ones that after two or three weeks or something like that have, have kind of stuck with me and I find I keep thinking about it, then I'll start pushing on it a little bit, and I'll see, well, you know, maybe let me write a little something on it. Let me see if there's something there. And then I begin to try to figure out if I like it, what it is, you know, because um, uh, I write a lot of books. Uh, you know, as you know, I did uh, Fitness Confidential with Vinnie Tortorich. That, that's how we met. Um, but, I, you know, I write other books as well. So I'll start sort of thinking, is this a good book? Or, you know, would this be better as a TV show? Or, and if it's a TV show, what is it? Is it a one hour? Is it a half hour? Uh, is it a movie? Because I wrote many movies at the beginning of my career. So, you know, I'll start to try to figure, and that's actually often a hard question. It's just, you know, what... What is it? Like, what's the best use of this idea? And so I'll try to figure that out, and then, then I'll start just kind of working on it, and I'll see if, if it seems to lead anywhere. And a lot of times, like, I follow the idea that you're better off just creating something and trying to sell it. Um, I don't always do that. I mean, sometimes I will go pitch an idea and, and see if I can sell it in advance of writing it. But most of the time, I prefer to just sit down and write something and say, here it is, and just see if anybody wants to do it. Um, and, and that's kind of, you know, how, how I've done things most of my career. And then, you know, other times you just get hired to work on something like Arrested Development, which I didn't create. You know, Maturowitz created it. Um, but, you know, it was just a, a sort of a great thing to work on. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so, like, you know, the, the, you did uh, My Boyfriend's Back and – uh, Jason goes to hell, and then you did Major Pain, I think in '95. Yeah, that was and so That's how, like, how, um, yeah, which is a great movie, by the way. Oh, thanks. I'm in it briefly. Are you? I, I, you probably won't remember it because it's a tiny, tiny little thing. But um, towards the beginning of the movie, uh, Pain uh, is trying to find a civilian job, and he goes to try to get a job as a police officer. <laughs> and uh, there's a scene where he has to go through kind of a scenario to see what he would be like, and, and he just he like shoots everyone. The guy. I'm the guy who slaps. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so, well, maybe I can uh, see if they maybe have that clip on YouTube, and I'll uh, I'll link to that. But uh, yeah, okay. you're gonna feel a little pressure. That's, yeah, uh, that's yeah. right. That was, actually that movie was the most fun that I've ever had doing a movie because Damon and I got along great. Um, it was it just it was a blast doing it, and Damon and I uh, wrote it together. So oh, cool. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, and so, well, I guess the, so. My my question is sort of like what like. Is it because you started getting into the TV stuff that you're doing more TV stuff, or do you want to maybe write another movie? Like, what's the? How does that work? Well, my preference uh, is to write television, okay. um, because as a, as a you know as a writer in movies, you're kind of very replaceable. Um, you know, you come on often, you do a draft or two, and then you get fired, and then they bring on the next guy. Huh. Um, and most movies go through many writers, you know, and you don't really have, even though a lot of them aren't credited, like there are a lot of movies that I, I worked on and did drafts of that I'm not credited on, like Happy Gilmore is one. Um, but that's common, you know, right. with, uh, with writers in movies. And so after a point, you kind of get the feeling like, geez, I have no control over any of this. I mean, I'm just doing my work, and I hand it in, and then you know, it becomes something different, then I may get credit or I may not. 
and it's and you know you get paid and all that's great, but um, but in television the writers are actually in charge. Um, you know you're you're also the producers of the show, and so more satisfying I think uh, just creatively to know that basically what you write is what you're going to film. Anything and, from anything from Happy Gilmore uh, that stuck that you wrote? Um, yeah, yeah, there were there were a few things. It originally it was. Um, uh, Adam Sandler and Tim Hurley had written the, the first draft or two. And it was really funny. Um, but it was a little bit more about Happy and a group of his sort of hockey buddies, like tough guy buddies, who went on the PGA Tour. And so it was like Happy and his you know, friends kind of taking over the PGA Tour. And so when I, I made my pass, I got rid of pretty much all his friends. <laughs> and I just made him go alone on the PGA Tour because I thought it might be better if he was a little bit more of a fish out of water, that you know, he had to deal with you know, these kind of whole white-collar people. You eat um, pieces of for breakfast? No. Yeah. No, I didn't, I didn't write that. And in fact, I was rewritten by Judd Apatow, who came in. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and neither of us are credited on it. But, um, but it's, uh, uh, yeah, there was that. There were other things like, you know, I, I assume there can't be spoilers in a movie that was made a billion years ago. But, um, <laughs> you know, the death of Chubbs, I think, was something that I asked. Wait, he dies? Oh, crap, I was going <laughs> to yeah, watch that tonight. <laughs> and, you know, it's actually funny. I did, um, uh, I, I did a, uh, a TV series uh, much later with um, Carl, and, uh, uh, who plays Chubbs. And you it was know, also I, I on uh, Arrested Development, by the way. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he was yeah. on Arrested Development as well. Um, Carl Weathers. And uh, by, by the way, in season four, they go to a restaurant called CW Swapigans, and it was uh, it was called we called it CW because we liked the notion that it was Carl Weathers' restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, uh, the uh, yeah, and I so Carl and I were talking, and I had mentioned that you know I, I had done a rewrite of Happy Gilmore. And I said, in fact, I was the one that killed Chubbs. And he was like, you <laughs> 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 That's hilarious. Um, yeah. Well, Dean, anyway, I, that, that was fun to work on. I can't believe uh, we're, we're uh, coming up on time. So I need to ask you the, the final question, which is something that I ask every guest we have on the Simply Human podcast. And that is, okay. what is something that you enjoy about life or something you do to make life more enjoyable? Um, you know, I love, to, uh, I love to hike, oddly enough. Um, I like getting outside. I like uh, I like nature. Um, I like hiking and running. And it, it's, in fact, it's Vinny Tortorich who got me into running because I was really out of shape a while back. And and you know, and he said you should get out and just start walking a little bit. And uh, I said, okay, I can do that. So I started walking through the neighborhood, and I just loved it. And then uh, you know, and I started losing some weight and getting you know in better shape. And Vinny looked at me and he said, you know. Maybe you could do a little bit of running. You could add a little running into that. I think you can do a better Vinny impersonation. Let, let, let's go. Let, let, like, let's you want to do better? Maybe you could do some running. Yeah. Throw <laughs> some running in there. So, you know, so I did that. But that's now something that I really love to do. I love to go out and uh, you know, just get outside and run and hike and that kind of stuff. Awesome. Well, uh, we are out of time. Dean, I really appreciate your time. I know you have... Uh, a, a hugely busy schedule, and you got exactly zero dollars for for becoming. Uh, the I check guess. is in the mail, Dean. Yeah. Okay. Oh, well, listen, I love talking to you guys. You, 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 you're great. So, anytime you want me back on, just let me know. Awesome. Well, we appreciate it, and we'll link to all your stuff in the uh, in the show notes, and uh, hopefully, we wish you just the the nothing but awesome and great success moving forward. Okay. Great. Thanks a lot. You too.
You're listening to the Simply Human Podcast. Thank you, Dean. Uh, like, like we said, we will link to his website in the show notes. Just a cool guy to, to know. Hopefully- that is the most... To me, that's the most fascinating conversation we've ever had because <laughs> at various points in my life, I have thought that like, you know what, I, you know, I really enjoy writing and uh, if, if I could do anything, you know, with my life like risk-free, I guess, it would be writing something yeah. like, like he does, comedy writing, but I'm too scared to do it. But it's just fascinating to hear from someone who like, you know, has scratched out a pretty, pretty awesome career doing stuff like that. It's just... It's fascinating for me to talk to him. So that yeah, was awesome. I, 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 it's very interesting to me to, to know that like, you know, you might get paid for writing on a movie, but you may not be credited because they like go through so many writers during movies. You just think, okay, this guy wrote the movie. Well, it's like, that's not at all how it works. Like yeah. there's so many different people in the, and it's kind of cool that the insight to know that like, you know, Happy Gilmore was supposed to be like a group of hockey players and then how they got it down to just one. And then like it's so much, and it's so much better like how it ended up, obviously, yeah, because they yeah. did their job correctly. Yeah. Wrote it well. So anyway, man, that was awesome. That was my that's my favorite conversation we've had so far. That was really cool. Dean, if you're listening, it's only Wofford thin. Okay. Sorry. Um you need to watch. By the way, that was that, that the the conversation though almost came dangerously close to devolving into <laughs> quoting Mark movies. Going, hey, I know a quote from that movie too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. how about this one? Dangerously oh, close? No, no, no. We, like the, it, like it Chris happened. Farley doing the, uh, <laughs> the Chris Farley show that, that on was Saturday Night Live. <laughs> Idiot! Stupid! Stupid! <laughs> oh. All right. Well. All right. So now it's time for our conversation with Shaky. Recorded this uh, a couple days ago. Um, this was fun. All right. Um, I know this is the humans being human segment, but uh, we just we didn't really have a, a lot of time to talk to uh, to an old friend of my family. Uh, like, like I said in, in the last uh, a few episodes ago, my, my dad worked with with Shaky, um, and that's his uh, his nickname, obviously. But uh, Shaky doesn't have a cell phone, and uh, I, we talked yesterday and uh, set up the call. I told him to be by his phone at this time, so uh, we'll we'll call his uh, his landline and, and see uh, if we can get Shaky. Uh, Fitzpatrick, who's a uh, been a longtime trainer, primarily uh, a boxers back in the back in the day. So uh, here we go. Fitzpatrick's gymnasium. It's Patrick speaking. Shaky, hey, it's Mark Rogers. Who the hell is it? It's what do I. You want? I'm hey, Shaky, hey, it's uh, it's Mark Mark Rogers, Urban Son. Um, ah, uh, wee little Mark Rogers. That's right. I remember you when you were just a just a little old ankle biter from back in the day. The, used to used to pee all over yourself anytime I came near you. What's it been? 15, 20 years? Yeah, I uh, uh, we actually. We talked. Uh, we talked yesterday. I'm the one that, that we talked yesterday and set this ah. call up. And uh, yesterday, what a bunch of malarkey. Well, I uh, I had this list of questions here that I wanted to talk to you uh, about. Uh, I, I got some questions for you. Once you take that piece of paper and throw it away. Uh, okay. I remember yesterday you told me that uh, you had an internet. You made an internet. Yeah, yeah. Um, did, were you able to figure out how to get to the the site to the ah, computers? Get out of here with your computers. Okay. I don't have a computer. I know. I got I... a I got a typewriter. And a, wow. 
an abacus. <laughs> but I, I went to the library, and I told grab one of them librarians, and I put my fist to the face, well, and I said, hey, shaky. you show me how to get to this Mac Rogers' internet. You show me right now. She punched it up on one of them computers in the library, and I read it over on a bunch of malarkey. Well, Just a bunch I, of garbage. It, it's helped and a lot of people. Sleeping and moving. <sighs> get out of here with your crap. <laughs> well, it's helped a lot of people, Shaky, and, and I actually... Uh, ah, I've helped a lot of people. I've trained a lot of fighters. Right. I trained a lot of fighters, but I, I train them back how they used to train the old champions. Back uh, in the Dempsey days, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah, First, I'd take them up, and I'd, I'd strip all the clothes off, and I'd hose them down and throw the lousing powder all over them. Gracious. Making sure they're not getting my gymnasium all diseased. It's a prison? Then I'd, sc- <laughs> then I'd scrub them with, with coarse burlap, the coarsest you could get. You got to go to the you gotta go to the docks to get this special kind of burlap, and I'd scrub them all over every inch of their body. Sounds terrible. Toughen up their skin. Then I'd take an old copper pipe and just smash it into their bellies, just wow. hitting them as hard as I can, what? trying to harden up the old stomach muscles, be able to take a punch, you know? I don't remember Dad ever talking about that. Then I'd make them go outside, and I'd give them these metal buckets, and I'd say, Hey, you piece of crap, fill this metal bucket up with, with stones. And I'd come back, and I'd take all these little rocks, and I'd pelt them over and over oh. again, and then I'd smash them in the face with a metal bucket. Got to get them in a survival mode, you know? Got to get ready to fight. Well, uh, wow, that's uh, uh, stoning, I think, in, in some countries. It, I mean, with with this rigorous training, uh, now I'm, I'm just curious. Now, did any of those guys contend for any championships or titles? Or uh, I'm not sure. They wouldn't uh, They wouldn't let me read the, the papers when I was doing 20 years in prison for human trafficking and uh, dehumanizing slaveristic assault. Wow. Uh, yeah, I could. I could. Apparently, you can't do that. Apparently, you're not supposed to to rub that much boilap all over somebody. Yeah. Wow, I didn't realize that you had uh, done time. Uh, but anyway, let's get back to uh, the questions that I had. Ah, uh, your questions. Get the hell out of here with that. I had this one fight. He's the best I ever saw. Patrick, the potato peeler O'Malley. Wow. I had the heart, boy. He had the heart. If I could take his heart and put it in him, put it in the, another body. Oh, he would have been a champion, I tell you. Certainly a very cliche I name. I trained Patrick the same way my, my pops trained me. I made him, I strapped an ox cart to him. I made him run up a hill. 20 miles it was wow. to the top of this hill. 20 miles each way. And as soon as he'd get up there, I'd take his shoes off too. He'd had to do it barefoot. And as soon as he'd get down at the bottom, I'd make him chug a quarter whiskey. Whoa. Gotta get his internal organs ready to, for, for a real battle, you know? <laughs> Well, I mean, the barefoot stuff is something that we uh, we like uh, to talk about on the show. But like, how did uh, pa- Patrick, the potato peeler O'Malley, how, how did uh, sure, certainly he won at least maybe a regional title or something? Oh no, he died. He died. Oh, you know, he collapsed and died after after I I made him drink a quart of whiskey. That's, Apparently, that's not, uh, not real healthy for people. Yeah, that's that's, uh, that's tragic, uh, Shaky. Well, I uh, okay. You know, it's so, real tragic, Mark. It's me. What's that? Yeah, I could have been. Greatest champion the world ever saw. Yeah, well, I don't but know. But I just, I, I had, I had all the heart, but I didn't have, uh, I didn't have the reach. I'm just a short little fella. But I tell you what, I could dish it out with the best of them. But you know what I could do? I could take it. I could take it like a champ. You know, a real oh. beating. I remember one night I was, uh, I was fighting, fighting in a, a basement, 
That's how we used to fight back in the days in basements. And I was fighting Patrick the Potato Peeler O'Malley. Wait, I, th- I thought you said he died from the court. No, 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 no. It's a completely separate uh, Patrick O'Malley. Oh. There was like uh, like 75 or 100 Patrick O'Malley's uh, yeah. that I fought in back the in the day. And he kind of ran out of nicknames. Wow. They all had something to do with potato peeling and potato mashing. So Let's... you got, you know, you had some some redos, I guess. Certainly this very cliche. Uh, yes. <laughs> it was a different guy, though. And back in those days, oh, we didn't have no decisions and referees and none of that. You just fought and fought until you just gave out, and that was the end of it. It was a different and time back then. Patrick, yes. and we were in a 45th round, and he was just pounding me, boy. I was just black and blue all over. I had bruises on the bottoms of my heels. He was beating me so bad, and he said, oh... I'm going to knock you in the next week there, Shaky. And you know what? He what did. Oh. He knocked me in the next week. He actually physically hurt me so bad that I transversed the space-time continuum and flew forward into time two weeks. I couldn't remember nothing. That's amazing. Scientists have been breaking my body down trying to determine the key to time travel. Apparently, just getting hit real hard in the basement of some old Irishman. And with bruises on the bottoms of your heels, that's amazing that he was able to punch you in the heels. Um, he beat me all over, Mark. In between the webbins, in between my fingers was bruised. Wow. My earlobes were bruised. Every part of me was bruised. But I don't want to do that anymore. That was back in the old days. That was, uh, oh, let me think. God, I was back in Art 8. Whoa, Art 8. Let's see. Uh, Art 8. 100 and, uh, 106 years ago. Man, I didn't know you were, you no, were no, that no, old. No, 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 no. 2008. It was. Oh, I'm only 39 years old. Oh well. It wasn't that long ago. Really? It's been a hard. It's been a hard, hard 30, uh, 39 years. That's uh, that's amazing. I I would have thought you were in your 70s 20 years ago. That's uh, that's ah, incredible. You're aging and your birthdays. What a bunch of malarkey. Yeah. Well, shaky. I hate to I hate to do this. We didn't get to any of my questions, and we're actually we're, we're running up on time. I actually have another uh, interview that I've, I've ah, got to do. But yeah, uh, interview. What a bunch of malarkey. Well, I, I, Tell you what, Mark, you ever decide you want to stop prancing around like a little girl in your dress and your your your, your bonnet, peeing in your underwear all the time, and you want to be a real man, you come back over to the gym and I'll I'll hit you with that pipe a few times. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll certainly keep I'll do, that I'll in mind. I'll some pipe work. That's what we call it these days, pipe work. Great. Uh, yes, Shaky, I, I really appreciate it. It's, uh, oh, it's, it's been I good. I think I just pooped in my pants a little bit. I got to go. Okay. Okay. All right, uh, there goes that was Shaky Fitzpatrick. Uh, he's a character. Uh, hopefully, we can have Shaky uh, back on and, uh, and and maybe at least get to my my questions. All right, thank you, Shaky. Hopefully, we can get him back on the show sometime in the future. It is now time Sounds for the. Like he's dangerously close to dying. <laughs> we, uh, yeah, ho- we. Hopefully, uh, he exists in the future. Yeah, maybe he won't be around for another week or two. Uh, despite his his young age, uh, he has lived a lifetime, a hard life. Maybe he just, just maybe he just isn't funny, and we'll have to kill him off. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he may die depending on the feedback we get. It's far more likely. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, yeah. Uh, let us know what you thought about Shaky uh, at uh, Simply Human Bob. No, if you have bad, yeah. bad thoughts about it, and you and you email us and say that it sucks, then I'm just gonna jump off a bridge. Yeah. No, that's why I said email us at simplyhumanbob at gmail dot penis. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's like the clown clown penis dot fart. Okay. Um. It is now time for the Simply Human tip of the week. Something you can start doing today. 
to become a more healthy human. And we've talked about this in the past, and it was, but we thought the theme came up in our Dean Laurie conversation about sort of getting out of your comfort zone. And that kind of falls into that same category as taking cold showers, as, um, you know, not always, you know, doing the, the sort of this comfortable thing, and that our bodies are designed for variation. And that book by Nassim Tlaib, Anti Fragile, really hits on this point that if you just stayed at, you know, a room that's 75 degrees, that is the same light all the time, you don't get any variation in light and temperature and anything like that, you will not become the healthiest version of yourself. In fact, you may become very sick um, because your body just won't, your, your body is designed for variation in temperature, in, uh, in light, in, in your comfort, in stress and recovery and all this sort of stuff. So if you just have like this super sort of mundane life, that is not, you know, you can survive that way, but that is not a way to become the healthiest version of yourself. So things that you can do to get out of your comfort zone, you know, if there's, uh, you know, like, like simple things is like taking cold showers. Like that is, that is temperature variation. That is just something that, you know, every, every day that you turn on, like I get in the shower and I just turn the cold on there. There's all, there's never that it's never just like I get in and turn the, the water on. It's always kind of like that. You know, you sort of have to like, all right, I can do this. You know, and, and doing that and like beating that sort of that voice in your head that's saying, you know, it would be a lot easier to just take a normal shower this morning. Like doing that actually like helps you and makes you a stronger, better person. Well, and I, you talk about like the physic, the physical stuff, like the the temperature change, the light change, stuff like that. Uh, for me, it's really more about like just taking risks in general. Uh, it's always more comfortable to like just, especially for for me to like, I have my little niche and I'm bur- burrowed out and I live in my little hole and you know I don't like to get out of my hole necessarily. But sometimes taking risks is. Uh, provides like a significant, significant reward. Uh, a few years ago, I experienced this. I was working in a you know police department in another state, and I enjoyed it a lot. But then this opportunity in the state and the city that I work at now that came up, and I had to evaluate. You know, you know, it's a lot of it's a lot of change. It's a lot of uh, risk taking. Uh, would it be better? And you know, I can tell you right now that I'm looking back, going, yeah, it was definitely the right decision to make. Uh, as it relates to our conversation with Dean, I think we already talked about this a little bit earlier, but. I'm fascinated by people who can do things like that. A girl that I went to high school with that I was, was very close with in junior high, and uh, we you know, obviously we drifted apart. Uh, she went her separate way, and so did I. But uh, she is a professional comedian, uh, and she's really, really, really funny. Her name is Erin Judge. Uh, she's on Twitter, at Erin Judge, and uh, she's, you know, just Google her. She's really, really funny. But uh, I'm fast, and I just found her on Facebook a couple of years ago, and I was like, man, catching up, and I started, you know, kind of she, looking at her some, some of her stuff, and it just, it's absolutely fascinating to me, someone who is funny, and uh, her next how she makes money is by continuing to be funny. And if she ever stops being funny, she's not going to make any money anymore. And just that daunting, uh, just thinking about that scares the crap out of me. Like I've had people say, you know, yeah, you can, you should try stand up comedy. I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't, I'm not that funny, but it's the risk that scares me. And maybe we should not let the risk scare us, uh, you know, quite as often. Maybe we should think more about like, you know, 
taking, you know, kind of jumping out there and doing something new or doing something adventurous because it could end up being like the best thing that ever happened, you know? Right, right. Yeah. So our, yeah, our brains, our bodies are designed for variation and, and sort of getting out of that comfort zone is something big. I know like I read a book once, uh, oh, oh, what was it called? Like the domino you read a book one time. Yeah, yeah. the I Domino Project or something. I know Ben Greenfield talks about it a lot, but there's like these group of this like series of books, the short books uh, that sort of talk about this. And one of the things, you know, other than cold shower, one of the things you can do to like kind of fight through that sort of feeling of, oh, wait, wait, I shouldn't do this, is like to take a coffee cup and just take it over like a cement floor, like a tile floor and just let go. I mean, it's gonna it's gonna break. Okay. It's gonna shatter everywhere. But like, you're gonna have to clean it up. But like, just like going through that exercise of having to like let go and like fight against that impulse is like you know another exercise. I'm not saying, uh, you know, like kids are listening to this and they're just like going like shattering all the coffee cups. Yeah, this and, seems like rather counterproductive. Yeah. Like we're gonna get a bunch of pictures on Facebook. Like, yeah, thanks a lot. I broke all of my coffee mugs yeah. because Mark told me to smash them on the ground. And then, and then uh, he tells me to walk around barefoot, so uh, I slashed yeah. the <laughs> underside yeah, of my feet. Yeah, the barefoot yeah. stuff. You're <laughs> slapped with a class action lawsuit. Yeah. All right, so that's tip of the week. Uh, get out of your comfort zone uh, somehow, in some way, physical, mental, yeah. whatever. So there it is. All right, well, I think that's the show. Uh, Dean Laurie, Shake It Fitzpatrick, we thank Hopefully you. it is. Yeah, <laughs> thank you for your, your time and your show, and thank you for all the people that yeah, wrote us reviews for the October T-shirt giveaway-a-thon. We're doing a November T-shirt giveaway-a-thon. All you have to do is leave a review, and you enter your name. Uh, into the thing and so you know and if you're not a loyal listener then we get to save the t-shirt because if you don't listen to the show that your name is announced then ah very valid point yeah then very we then point. you'll never know how you know that, that we uh, we picked your name so alright that's gonna do it uh, leave us uh, a review on iTunes like I said good or bad any publicity is good publicity and you may get the t-shirt out of the deal uh, find us online at simplyhumanlifestyle.com links to the Facebook page YouTube channel simply the kids page simply the mom's page all that stuff uh, Twitter and Instagram at simplyhuman52 um I think that's everything. That's going to do it for this edition of the Simply Food Podcast. And remember, certainly he won at least maybe a regional title or something. Oh, no, he died. He died. Oh. No, he collapsed and died after after I, I made him drink a quart of whiskey. So until next time, enjoy yourself. <laughs>